Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Good morning to you, wherever you may be, on this Wednesday, February 21st. John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard, here to get you through your Wednesday morning. Bob, as you untangle your headphones, (laughs) one of the most frustrating things to do in life, especially when you compare it to the the actual inconvenience versus just how frustrating it feels. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm, uh, yeah, now I'm really good. Just got untangled. You've got your cheese here and your headphones. Got my up. cheese. Oh, and you may notice, instead of my customary energy drink, I have a uh, an iced tea from an establishment that serves chicken. And that is a byproduct. I bought that yesterday after the show because I went and got a spicy chicken biscuit after the show. Nice. Because I had so much biscuit envy, even after you kindly offered me an opportunity to have one yesterday and I declined. I was like, the whole morning, I was like, I got to get one of those. So I did. And I got an iced tea and put it in the fridge, kept it. I'm all ready. How are you, man? You saved the iced tea for 24 hours? That seems a little... It's not like a soda, man. It's good. It's even better. Okay. I'd say it's even better. Okay. If it's, if it's really brewed tea and not, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, chemical-based thing, it's it's all right. Add a little ice to it this morning. Okay. It's kicking. Because, yeah, soda, I had a friend who it drove me crazy. Oh, roommate for a little bit. He, he would put in half-drink cans of soda in the fridge, and to me, that's the... About as psychotic as it gets. That's uh, my uh, significant other does that. Really? And well, I, I better tread lightly then. Never mind. Oh no, no, no. I did not mean to call it psychotic. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not happy about it. Is my point. I, I'm not a fan. I, I think it's like that stuff gets flat quick. So I don't understand the logic at all. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Apologies. <laughs> Apologies. Psychotic was not the word I meant. No. I'm not saying you're a psycho. I'm saying it's psychotic behavior. No worries. I'm not saying you're crazy. You're just acting crazy. <laughs> Sam, how are you on this Wednesday morning? I'm feeling all right. A little under the weather, honestly. Kind of woke up feeling a little a little strange, but we'll power through it. We'll feel good. Um, yeah, I had a, had a productive day yesterday, though. Got to my Got to my classes. Hit the store a little bit, got to the gym, oh, watched wow. baseball and basketball, so oh, I was wow. feeling good. What a day. Yeah. What'd you do in the gym? Um, I did chest and then a little bit of kettlebell stuff to finish. You a kettlebell boy? Yeah, I am. I like finishing with that. What do you do with the kettlebell? Um, I kind of just do like a little... Because I don't know what the hell I'm doing with it. I Sometimes I get a, you know, like 
a heavy one, you know, 55 or 50 pounds or so, and I'll do the just the sides, you know, like you're leaning down, trying to, you know, let it drop and touch your ankle or whatever. I, I do that one every now and then. I do, like, lighter weight and then do three or four things kind of together and just do okay. a big superset to get me sweating a bunch. I'll do, like, some swings and then. I was going to say, I'll do the thing where I'll get, like, a 20-pound or something that just kind of 25 pounds. Yeah, I do that. I do that around, one. Wrap it around your sides and stuff. That's a good one, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm doing with it, though. I think it's lower weight to start and just really try to focus on like form the arm up march yeah yeah, yeah. a little bit but i, I feel so too. dumb doing it yeah you kind of look like a moron but yeah. you get over it quick i think some people in there look cool with the kettlebell yeah like, they're doing like ups and downs, like swinging it around they look real cool and i'm I not over that there good. and i'm just marching in place i'm not a crossfit guy by any means yeah. but i can i don't know it gets the best sweat for me going okay. i don't like going on like the treadmill and just walking to get a sweat or something like that or running I don't know. I kind of need something to do that's a little more active-ish. Like, I do the rowing machine instead of cardio, too. Like Really? Okay. Maybe that's just my ADHD brain or something like that, not being able to have a good time just walking. I've tried to be a row boy before, but my feet always slide out of the pedals thing. Like, I don't think my <laughs> form is right, and I just I feel dumb, and it just I slide out, and it's just... You strapping in? Not like super tight, and maybe that's the problem. Yeah, you got to get in pretty tight. But the super tight, it makes me feel a little claustrophobic. I, I don't know. I end up either doing like the incline walk or the gym I go to now has like a 40 yard like mat. So yeah. I go in there and just run back and forth for like 15 or 20 times or get something. Get that like 40 that. time down? No, I'm not sprinting. <laughs> I'm just running a little bit, but it's more like short bursts versus the treadmill. Like you're just like, okay, I'm going to run for 20 minutes now. I don't know. Get a good sweat doing that. I think that's better too. There was a guy yesterday working the heavy bag. I was like, should I put the gloves on, go there in the heavy bag too? Maybe we go side by side or something. Maybe me and him just. Mind if we spar, sir? Yeah, just, <laughs> just dance a little bit out there. I don't know. But I was watching him, and his footwork wasn't great. So I was like, that's how probably I would look. And would people be judging me the way I'm judging this guy? So I don't know. Then I just got on the little elliptical thing for 12 minutes or so. And then went and changed and went home. There you go. Okay. I feel more awkward on an elliptical for some reason. Interesting. I'm not saying you're wrong. I could see how that feels. Just doesn't feel like a natural motion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I understand what that means because yeah, you don't really do that in your real life, anymore. right? Anyways, that was gym sesh with John and Sam. Anything happened for you? <laughs> interesting yesterday, Bob. How was the Tennessee baseball game you yeah. made? That was that was you going for the first time, correct? Uh, yes, as far as being on the porch. Okay, I thought it was your first time going to a baseball game in a while. It's been a while. Excuse me. I, uh, yes, I was not, I had not been there, certainly in the Vitello era. Okay, okay, that's what I was thinking. Okay, at least the first game during the Vitello era. So, yeah, it was kind of a busy day yesterday, but made it out to the game, um, and was, uh, Hanging out on uh, one of the left field porches, and uh, it was what a great day weather-wise, man. It felt really good out there. Sun was shining. Uh, place looks great. Um, so much different than what it looked like whenever the last time I was there, how it appeared then. And Sam and I were communicating, and he showed me a picture of what it looked like in October. And gotta say, they came a long way in you know a, sh- a relatively short amount of time because it looked pretty far from finished back in October. So it looked good. And uh crowd was pretty good, about 70% full maybe. I mean, there were some empty seats for sure. But, you know, it, it, it turned out to be a good game too. I mean, um, Asheville just kind of hung around. So uh, 
Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. I don't know how I feel about you guys texting behind my back. <laughs> well, it was just out. when I – yesterday, after the – when he was saying he was going to the game, I was like, send me pictures of the – of the, you know, like it's the fine. new you renovations. Have to, you don't have to explain. And, and I just I, sent him a picture of what it looked like in October. <clears throat> yeah, and when he did that, I did reply. I said, man, John never asked me about that stuff. <laughs> um, no, no, I had sent you the video. You were on the other thread with the yeah. station management and some of the other on-air personalities. But Sam wasn't on there. And I was like, eh, I'll send it to Sam and not send it to you again. So how did the how did the poor, or how did the left field line, the seats over there, how did they look? They look good. Yeah? Now, there's uh, – there's an interesting – there's these new uh, tables that they put out in the corner uh, over by the foul pole in, near left field. And it does make me wonder, could they not have just put more seats there? That's all. Uh, they, they have a big standing room only deck on top, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm sure that will be packed on these SEC weekends. But, uh, um, but no, the seats look good on the, on the third base side. See, some of the – some of the people I've talked to that have you know younger kids like the option for the four tops. If you can get over there and kind of um, set up and have some kids true. area and stuff, so that it might be a little bit easier for them. Or trying to get you know in the in the mix there for tickets whenever it came time to to actually sell season tickets. I think for the the tops they were trying to make the switch. Yeah. So it made sense more for them with uh, small kids. I could see that. That makes some sense. Yeah. And it was interesting. At one point I looked because uh, we were on. So you come up, and there's the spire porch and then the one that I was in. And um, so I could see a really clear shot of the standing room only deck. And at one point, I look over, and I just see one guy standing there solo looking, kind of purveying everything. It was Danny White. Let's go. Watching his kingdom. Yes. (laughs) Just raining over it he was just standing there it was like something you'd see in a movie you know he's just watching looking around you know you see all the big buildings see the new modified baseball stadium got a nationally ranked team playing life's good for him man Maine blowing in the wind yeah king of the jungle yeah had a nice quarter zip on zipping something probably water i'm guessing i'm sure he felt great just being there and yeah. and seeing it and having people probably come up and be like, hey, great job. And plus, he's probably feeling great just in terms of approval rating right now, sky high. Because I'm, I'm sure in sometimes in that job, like, it sucks to go out. Yeah. Like, you don't want to show your face. You don't want to deal with people. Right now, though, probably feels pretty good to, to be Danny White in Knoxville. When people see you, they should be saying complimentary things to you. A lot of go balls or great job. Now, maybe every now and then you run into one of those lunatics. It's like, you broke a 50-year contract with my grandparents saying that if you donated $500 to the, the original Neyland Stadium expansion that we had lifetime tickets. And uh, those people are out there. So he maybe runs into a couple of those every now and then. Were they the fi- student section. Were they fine even they've been waiting? Or the student section? Yeah, I guess the students. Were they mad about that, the basketball ah. games? I think probably it's people that aren't the students that are more mad. The actual students are like, hey, it's actually pretty good it's for like, us. I get a ticket into the game. I get a decent seat. I think they're fine with it. I do I do have one question, and, John, you may be able to answer it, given you're a season ticket holder. I'm able to answer every question, Bob, even if I don't know the answer. That's one of my skills. I just pretend to know the answer. Okay. Well, get your get your work ready here. I uh, So, 
pitchers are coming in for Tennessee. I didn't notice this till the second pitcher was in, and they, you know, guy was it was Banky, and he was spinning some strikeouts, and the announcer kept saying, "That's another K for queso." Cheese. Yeah. Okay. No, but at first I was like, "Wait, I'm looking at the guy's number because I was like, who's on the mound?" And then I looked at his name and I was like, "His name's not. <laughs> I swear to God, his name's not queso." What did, is it? it did, I didn't piece it together. Did uh, you ask anyone this, or did you just? I sent a I sent a note to uh, the RTI guys saying, "Hey, who's at the game?" And it was Jack <laughs> Foster. I go, "Who's on the mound?" I'm just confirming, and he said Benke. And I said, "Okay." And so then I started piecing it together. I go, "It's got to be something queso related." Yeah, I don't know exactly what the number is. Is it is it ten or eight or something? I, I don't really know. I don't pay attention. I don't like queso like that. So like, if we do win queso, I don't actually ever go pick it up. But yeah, I think every strikeout they. Update the ticker, I, and a certain number you get free cheese. I didn't think this was the pitcher's last name. I thought maybe he had a nickname or something. I didn't know what was going on. Big so, cheese. Yeah, exactly. So then I, once once Jack said that, I was like, okay, that is the guy. Now I'm figuring it out. So, yeah, yeah. there you go. I like know. I said, I had sort of the answer, and I was going to make it up regardless. Ten strikeouts, you get free cheese. And then it's on somebody else to come and correct me. The baseball game was stressful. It looked for a second like you might drop that game. And then we get to basketball, and boy, was that stressful too. We'll dive into that after the break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. It was very stressful. Tennessee baseball held on, and then you immediately pretty much flipped it over to watch Tennessee, Missouri, and then you watched eight minutes of basketball to start the game, where the score was four to two. Which, on one hand, you scored four points in eight minutes, and you're like, "Oh my God, what's happened to this team?" On the other hand, you were winning, so you're like, "Hey, it's not that bad." And you even went to the TV timeout with a three-point play that they got you up six to two. Bob, what were your thoughts watching Tennessee just <laughs> roll around in the filth for about you know twenty five to thirty minutes of of game time with th- with the winless, the defeated Missouri Tigers? I think, if I recall correctly, I think it was one nothing at the first TV timeout. I mean, it was. Yeah, I thought my ESPN app was broken. Yeah, <laughs> like I had to go to the bathroom, and so I came out, and then. I was like, 1-0? Four minutes into the game, this is broken. Yeah. I had some people in my life that had said that they thought they had accidentally pulled up the Tennessee baseball score. Yeah. <laughs> when it was like 4-2. Sure. Like, oh, I thought I pulled up the baseball score. That's good. Um, it, it, I don't know if you you all saw on X, but we were getting some national love. That's how bad it was. You know, it wasn't just our fan base talking about it. There were others nationally going, you know, this is set in basketball back about three decades and, you know, all sorts of stuff. I can honestly say that may be one of the worst first halves, maybe the worst half of basketball, certainly one of the worst I've seen recently, maybe ever. I mean, it was it was horrible. Um, the team you were rooting for, their productivity it was – was it just me? Did it feel like they were passing up shots, too? For a while, they weren't taking shots. Um, and then Missouri was hitting 
it's just one of those deals we, we went through it with A&M started to go through it at the beginning last week with uh Arkansas all of a sudden it's like okay so now Missouri's gonna hit shots now um because they were jacking up threes all over the place and you know they were falling it finally leveled out over time but um and all I could keep thinking about is this team cannot lose to coach Webster that is funny I did see it whenever I was watching it uh <laughs> it was a hit in my group chat too I didn't give you credit so yeah don't listen to the show it's their fault that's okay. That's all right. It, I really I see it, and I I feel bad for that dude though. That's got to be a hard. That's just got to be hard to watch that team. I mean, yeah, he's making money. He's getting paid a couple true. million dollars to do it. So I don't feel too bad for him. And he he had some pretty good luck last year. So this is just kind of what we call regression to the mean. But yeah, you know they they were trying. They haven't quit on him. So no. like you know you can at least say that for him. And and you know the. The top five balls, the class of the SEC was in town, and they wanted to win. And you had that dork Eli Drinkwitz out there, you know, trying to troll. And, you know, that's one of the things I'll never forgive Joe Milton for, is losing to that Missouri team. Yeah. And, and letting Drinkwitz hang that over you. Like, Tennessee has given signature wins to him and to Shane Beamer. And those are two things that I'll never kind of forget or forgive. It was tough watching him be so dorky, hearing stories of him chanting and tackling our players. Yeah, do we think that's real? I mean, it sounded like I listened to one of the wrap-up shows in town, and, you know, Richard West posted it, which, of course, means, you know, you can't use that as a as a credible source. But, uh, but one of the wrap-up shows in town said, no, they specifically heard from someone who was there that, and sat nearby that that's what was going on. So I don't know. I, it seems a little much to me, honestly. Even, I mean, Drinkwitz is a clown, but I'd I'd be surprised. I don't know. Just him being in the crowd was enough. Yeah, I, mean, it, I get it. You're you're trying to support your team. It was a lot cooler this weekend when Don Staley was like in the front row watching South Carolina basketball, you know, in their weekend series because you know she's a winner, and then Eli doing it just kind of gave you the ick because it's zero and twelve team and like just just stay hidden, I guess, but. It was ugly, but it was a win, and an ugly win is better than the alternative. It would have been a crippling loss. It felt like the final preseason game. That's what I called it yesterday. I got some texts from from people saying, wow, you really jinxed the team by saying you didn't bother to w- read Will's preview and to go ahead and write this off as a win. I was like, yep, last time I talked like this was a South Carolina game, and saw what happened there. So, yeah, maybe I do need to quit being so – dismissive of Tennessee's opponents because maybe in college basketball almost no team is good enough just to show up and win on the road. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But felt really foolish. But then you had a second-half performance that I thought looked more like what we expected Tennessee to look like. The offense was scoring. Dalton Connect, you kind of knew once he hit his little long two baseline jumper that he was about to get going. You had a feeling that was going to be the case. He's a streaky player. And then, of course, he dominated from that stretch on. I believe he was responsible for, like, 21 points from that moment when he hits the baseline jumper with 13.30 left. He, he then went on, I believe, and scored or assisted on 21 points, put the team on his back, and had a had an SEC player of the year type of second half. 
Yeah, at one point he was shooting two for ten, ended up six for sixteen. So he definitely. He, well, one point I believe he was zero for seven. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, two, the two for ten was a felt like he was getting hot because yeah, I mean he'd have been two for his last three. The the zero for seven to start the game. Yeah, so if you look at that, then he goes six for his last nine. It's mm-hmm. pretty good, and that that look off pass he threw underneath too was like that was a that was a nice assist. That was beautiful. And, yeah, um, it was. Almost as good. I, I still put the Georgia one he had to Jonas during that comeback. I still put it ahead of that because that's when he was really cooking and drew a double team and whipped a br- you know a, br- a beautiful, brilliant no look pass to Adu for a big dunk. The Waka one last night was just a, a hair under that for me, but both of those going to be on his draft highlight package. Yeah, he had five turnovers, but he was ho- he was handling the ball so much. I mean. Uh, and some of them were at the end were pretty, pretty horrific turnovers <laughs> to be honest with you. But but again, the amount of time he's handling the ball, I guess we have to expect some of that because the defenses are just you know they're doubling, they're trapping, they're doing whatever they can to try to shut him down. Um, yeah, I feel like that was a misstep from Barnes having him bringing the ball to the court. Like I, I don't feel like connects handle is his strength. I feel like that's probably his weakness. Honestly, if you go back and watch the Purdue game. Or the maybe NC State did it as well, but like they really swarmed the ball, and he was you know turning the ball over a lot in those games. I don't really want him bringing the ball up full court for energy purposes or for you know success. I don't think he can do it. I don't think he can beat a press. I don't think he can beat pressure in the backcourt, which that's something he's gonna have to work on this offseason. You know, leaning into the combine and leaning into the draft, but. That was more so an indictment, I think, on how Barnes felt like Zakai was playing last night because he was also a little loose with the ball, a little reckless with the ball. And, you know, I think he got fouled late in the game on his turnover. They kind of rode him out of bounds, but he even he turned it over trying to break the press. And it was an ugly finish to the game. So you kind of sandwiched the game with some of your worst basketball of the season. Your first eight minutes of the game and then your last, like, three minutes of the game, you, you didn't hit a field goal and you – got sloppy and turned the ball over and took a 13-point lead down to five at the buzzer. Yeah, I know somebody that took a halftime line at Tennessee yeah. minus five and a half. Yeah, I had a buddy that had the same thing. Jesus. Because I, I, at one point, it felt like, okay, we're not only, you know, we're going to win, but we're also, we may cover the original line. I mean, well, you're up 13, and yeah. it looks like you were you were, were about to after, I believe, Awaka uh, put you up 13. Speaking of Awaka, and, and there are a couple of things that I thought about last night, and we certainly don't need to reaffirm how good Will Warren is, but we're going to here, and that was Missouri's f- propensity to foul is ridiculous. And, I mean, I'm watching uh, Coach Webster over there talking to the refs and complaining, but it's like, man, your guys are just like, you know, running into people basically. But – the other thing that we talked about with Will was that the big guys should should do should do some good. And man, did they ever! As a matter of fact, Barnes, I guess, decided he went back to old school. He had them both in a good portion of the time. Well, I thought that was a good mix there. You know, it doesn't always work, and if you do lose the two bigs and the spacing gets ruined, then you kind of look and say, "What the hell are you doing?" But Connect got it going, and then you know, Adu and. Awaka were your you know your second and third best players or or two of your three best players. I think Awaka was your best player last night and he played great. In the second half, Jonas was was back to being good. So, you know, I, I think in the first half, the the team was nine of thirty from the field at halftime, and that was with Awaka being three of four. 
and having eight points. Like, if you just removed him, the team was 6 of 26 for 18 points. He was, he was you know, keeping them somewhat afloat. And then in the second half, you got a different Jonas. You, get, you got an aggressive Jonas. He was grabbing some offensive rebounds, which was something Missouri was really bad at stopping. We knew that coming into the game. I think they were 300 and I think 52nd, if I remember correctly, from Will's preview at offensive rebound percentage. So you kind of thought, hey, if Tennessee's missing shots, at least they'll be able to get rebounds and extra looks. That didn't really happen too much in the first half. But in the second half, when you needed it to, it happened, and you got some putbacks, and including two big ones from Jonas during Connect's run. You know, I said Connect assisted or scored on 21 points, but I'm counting two of those putbacks from Jonas as assists. I know they aren't technically assists, but they were him breaking the defense down, drawing attention at the rim, which allowed Jonas to have the weak side rebound putbacks. And, and one was basically a little alley-oop on an air ball where Jonas caught it with one hand and flipped it back up. And, and those plays were, were big, and I think that was from Connect getting downhill and just attacking the rim and putting the pressure on the defense. You talk about vibes all the time. I felt that that little Jonas putback was huge, huge, because, first of all, you know, whatever Connect was doing there, my my – reaction as a viewer and as a fan was like what the hell and then he got that and did that little one-handed push back in and that was at a critical point in time too you know it was still early enough in the second half that Missouri was I think Missouri was still in the lead at yeah that they, point. They, they were I believe it was around the 11 minute mark and I believe cut Tennessee or cut the lead back down to one right so uh yeah I agree with everything I mean you you look at that combined line for a walk at an A dude 32 points 14 boards Five blocks, most of those from Jonas. I mean, and Tobe looked again, man. Sometimes it's a liability. I felt last night it was it worked in our favor. He played like he was playing angry underneath, man. He was he was great. Waka 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 waka. Did you see? I texted you. I did. Yeah. He was gobbling up those rebounds. Yeah. God. Yeah. He was he was what eighteen and ten, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The best game of his career, and and quite frankly. More of the guy that I thought we were going to get all season whenever you looked at his offseason and his progression and how he performed at the Team USA U19. That, that's the Awaka, you know, not 18 and 10, but that same type of aggression, that same type of skill and touch. Hit a jumper, was 6 of 7 from the free throw line, 10 rebounds. Was Like I said, Tennessee's best player for the entire 40 minutes. But, I mean, yeah, he put up 18 and 10 in 22 minutes. You know, that, that's that's big time. That saved the game. And then, yeah, Connect had that five-minute stretch where he was the SEC Player of the Year again because in the first half it looked like he was throwing the award away. And quite frankly, I was I was not wanting him to get it with how poorly he was playing. I was like, if you're going to be the SEC Player of the Year, you can't come out and lay an 0-7 stinker against Missouri. That's what the halftime show was about. They were starting to talk about Sears from Bama, and they were like, well, this guy's got better stats all around, blah, 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 blah. And it was like – Felt like it was just slipping out of Dalton's hands in that first half. And then he come out and he had, like I said, as good of a five-minute stretch as you'll see from a player. Ends up with 17 points, 15 in the second half, 10 rebounds. And just the impact, again, from from putting his head down, getting to the rim, I just thought was was really, really good. It was a five-point game with 13 minutes left. He hits a, He hits a jumper. They come down, they score. Connect comes back, hits a big three. We get a stop. He attacks. That's the first Jonas put back to tie the game. So you think, okay, maybe at that point, you know, you're going to kind of take over. That wasn't the case. Missouri hits a three. They're back up three. 
Connect comes right back down again. That's the alley-oop or the, the air ball, one-handed put back, uh, another you know play where Connect crashed and, and made the defense react and you know allowed Jonas to have that weak side put back. We get a stop. Connect made layup. Turnover. Connect made three. They hit a three. Connect comes back and answers with his own jumper. We get another turnover. Connect hits a three, and you go from down five to up six, and you know that was the difference in the game. Obviously, that was the moment where you you had that eleven point burst, all fueled by Connect, all fueled by Connect. And I don't know if it's been a concerted effort, if it's been strategy from the coaching staff, if it's if they've gotten in Connect's head, if he knows that this is the better way to to win and play. But like the team's been sharing the ball a lot more. You haven't had the heliocentric where he is the sun and everyone is revolving around him and spinning around him and orbiting or whatever the hell they do in space. I don't know. But he's the sun of the team and everything works around him. You haven't had that in the last couple games. But if you could kind of combine that and let everyone touch the ball until you need to go and then he's still capable of taking over, I do think that's a pretty good balance. 865-546-8200. If you want to weigh in and talk ball with us, 865-546-8200. We'll continue the conversation after the break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. The sup- Back in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. You know the drill by now. Drink White Claw. Support the people who support us. Appreciate Cherokee Distributing for their support locally and for helping fuel and hydrate fan-run radio. Drinkwitz. Man, he's such a nerd. And Sam, you saw the level one violations post going around last night. And people were circulating that one and getting mad, but... That one I do remember from a couple years ago, but it did happen. And, like, he does have, like, for lack of a better term, a hard-on for Tennessee. He does. Like, he he is in love with Tennessee, and he's obsessed with taking shots at Tennessee. The level one violations, you know, trying to negate his loss to Jeremy Pruitt as he managed to be one of three teams that actually lost to that team in 2020, one of those being Vanderbilt. So really, one of two teams that managed to lose to Jeremy Pruitt. I understand that hurts. The stand on business with Heupel, whatever. I mean, I kind of get that he's mad at Heupel because Heupel hung 60 on him two years in a row. The first year, I don't think there's anything that you could blame Heupel for because that was just like, hey, Steve Wilkes and your defense couldn't stop Tennessee from running the ball down your throat. The second one in Knoxville, I, I understood Drinkwitz maybe feeling a type of way about that because you are in. You have Joe Milton in the game in the fourth quarter throwing bombs down the field, like launching them. I understood if he was a little hurt by that one. But, like, I understand Heupel running the score up if that's the case because of the way Drinkwitz was acting before then with the level one violations. And I don't know if you remember the Jim Rome phone call where he went on there and took shots at Tennessee for, for five minutes and did his whole comedy routine. So, like... The beef there is does seem to be real. We don't play them this year, which kind of wish we did. 
that could be a de facto playoff game when you come and you look at like who's being projected kind of as the the ninth, tenth, or eleventh best team in the country. Like that could be easily be Missouri with their schedule, and that could easily be Tennessee with their schedule. It'd be nice to kind of have that one in Knoxville and kind of humiliate them and knock them down. You're not going to get it though. Maybe next year. But just, I mean, on one hand, it really, really sucks that you gave him his signature win. On the other hand, he's still a loser. Then on the third hand, I I do think he's a pretty good troll. He's successful at what he does in terms of trolling because it does make people mad. On the fourth hand, we probably have a lot of real estate in his head, too. Yeah, but he's he's feeling good right now, though. Like, it, we do have real estate. We have a house and everything. But, like, he's on our couch with his feet up. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's got mud and dirt all over our couch. Like he, he can say that right now because he did whip our ass in the fall. He did. He made you stare at it. Like he, he, he whipped it out and he, he put it right on Heupel's head. He did. He did. He, he, he dominated you, and that was the low point I think of Tennessee's football season. He gave it to you. He, um, he, he definitely likes to troll. Tennessee's been the. Uh... The, bearing the brunt of that, he also, if you recall, on that, uh, the you know the the college football playoff and New Year's Six selection day. Remember, he got interviewed on ESPN and he did the whole at the end look. Hey, hey guys, I got to go. I got to take a call from Connor Stallions. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know he he definitely likes to to poke people. Um, I was just looking at him last night and I was saying to you guys in the break, I think. He he just he just looks goofy. If he uh, with the visor, he looks better. He should have a visor on at all times. Well, that does what that does help make the troll more successful though, because yeah. he looks so goofy. Like yeah. he, he he looks like a dork. He's he's Andy from the Office mixed with uh, yes. whatever that one character is from Wolf of Wall Street. So the, <laughs> the 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 fourth guy in the crew, oh, or whatever you, the fifth guy in the crew. About. Yes. That's good. Yeah, I always think of uh, Andy, but yes, the Wolf of Wall Street guy is a good mix. He's a good mix of that. The basketball team at Missouri, unfortunately for him, is pretty terrible this year. But you almost lost to them. You almost gave them their signature win of the season, their one SEC win. But we didn't. That's all that matters. We didn't lose. We won. We avoided a disaster. Seed dropping line. It was a game that was probably hard to get up for for Tennessee in the grind of an SEC season. Whenever you kind of know what's coming at you, so I'm not going to panic. Style points don't really matter for Tennessee at this point. Wins are the only thing that matter. You're chasing an SEC championship. You're chasing a a two seed with an outside shot at a one seed. They're not going to say, "Well, you know, we're going to give Tennessee a one seed," but. They only beat Missouri by five. They were down to Missouri at halftime. They're not going to say that. They're just going to look and say Tennessee has won X amount of games of their last X amount of games. Look at their record. Look at their overall. No quad three losses. No quad four losses. Like that. That's what they're going to say. Which, by the way, Arizona does have one of those. Arizona. Arizona has a loss to a Missouri this year, and it didn't disqualify them from a one seed. Like I, I've been mad. And a little surprised, like, you know, reading Joe Lenardi talk about how the gap between Tennessee and Arizona is wide. I don't really understand that. 
I don't get it. I understand they got a you know a couple more quad one wins, but they also have a loss to a team like last night that was Missouri. Basically, they have one of those losses. I have one more topic tied to Missouri or that game to discuss, and that is oh yeah for sure. Um, and I know we've talked about this guy a lot, but last night and I was texting with a friend about it too. Um, they reached out to me first. Humble brag. <laughs> no, yeah, I guess I, that did sound like that. I don't text my friends. They text me. <laughs> they know I'm the sports expert now. Now, my point was he brought up the topic, which uh, was one Jordan Ganey, 25 minutes. I thought Ganey was solid, though. Like, I mean, like, especially in a game where Vescovy wasn't, I had no problem with Ganey. I would have, if Ganey would have played 30 minutes last night, I wouldn't have had an issue with it. But based on what? I, when you say solid, I mean, he, he was one of two. He, you know, yeah, I mean. I just like the energy that he brings. Like, sometimes with Santi, like, man, you you wonder, and, and Josiah, you wonder, do these guys even like being out on the basketball court? I never feel that way about Ganey. And sometimes, like, you know, again, vibes. Sometimes that matters. Like, sometimes just flying around and having energy matters. And I did feel like last night was a game where that, where that did kind of matter, where – you know, Ganey surprisingly only shot the ball two times. I don't know exactly, you know, what their coverage was or how many open looks he passed up. But like when you're when you're judging guys who pass up open looks, he he ranks very low, you know, on, on that scale. Like he's usually willing to shoot. He's usually willing to go out there and play with energy. And like I said, sometimes with Vescovy, man, I don't see it. Yeah. Well, I felt I felt it was one of those cardio games um, because what I would say is that the. If he's producing, I'm fine with it. But is it happening at the expense of minutes for Mayshack? Mayshack only played 11. Yeah. You know, that's that's the part that I guess I should have clarified that is, um, I don't know. That, that's just That was just an observation. I just think uh, I, I don't love Mayshack getting less minutes uh, like he did last night. Yeah, okay. So if you're, t- if you're comparing it to Mayshack, sure. I, I don't understand – how he could be such a big part of the Alabama game and play so well and then, you know, basically have his minutes shrink after that. You know, I know he's not the best offensive player, and and, and I get that, but it does feel like, you know, 28 minutes against Alabama, I thought he was good offensively. I thought he was great defensively. Right. He hasn't broken 15 minutes other than once since then. And that was the game where he played, I believe, one minute in the first half. And then Barnes just played in the entire second half pretty much against Texas A&M. So, like, I don't even really count that. Like, he, he's been a 13 to 15 minutes a game guy. And it is a little surprising, especially whenever you have Vescovy and Josiah, you know, continuing their thing of we're not really going to shoot, we're not really going to score, we're just going to kind of be out here. We'll play defense. And, and Vescovy is going to grab five rebounds, and he's, he is going to look – like he cares on defense, and he made a couple of really good steals. So like, it's not fair that I said Vescovy looks like he didn't care, but you do get that vibe sometimes on the offensive side. Everything's kind of lethargic on offense. The pump fakes, the sidesteps. I'm going to pump fake three times. I'm not going to shoot the ball. Like that drives you crazy on defense. I think Vescovy has brought it every time he's been on the court, and I thought last night he brought it as well. You know, he had a couple of really good steals and a couple of good hustle plays, saving the ball. So like, you know, he, he also rebounded. So I, I don't want to say he doesn't care. Or, because he does still play hard on defense. Last thing before we, uh, I know we got a caller waiting, but Josiah, 
when he came in late, I actually felt good about that. I thought that was a good substitution uh, because what was happening, I think he came in for Tobey at the end just because they were, I think Tobey was having trouble closing out on some of the stuff they were doing up, up top. But... Plus you want another ball handler right, and, and a right. guy, I mean, you give Josiah credit for free throw shooting, although Awaka has been really good at free throw shooting so far this year, but the ball handling was important and the, yeah, the versatility to chase people off the three-point line. And, and also like, hey, Josiah, I know you kind of got benched, but here you get back in the game during closing time, and that's kind of a an olive branch, if you will, right. to that player. 865-546-8200. Jordan's on the line. Jordan, welcome to the morning show. The floor's yours. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, hope you have guys have a good day. Um, I just want to call in real quick. You may have mentioned this in the first segment. If so, I missed it, and I apologize. But um, kind of looking forward just a minute. Rick Barnes sits at 799 career wins. And Saturday night in, uh, inside Thomas Bowen Arena against the Aggies, he has a chance to be the only 14th coach in Division One history to eclipse 800 wins. So it could be a milestone night uh, for Tennessee and for Rick Barnes uh, in the Texas A&M game. They're out for revenge because of how they played a couple of weeks ago. Um, so it could be it could be a good celebra- uh, celebration top night inside of Thompson Bowling. But one question I did want to ask about that game <clears throat> is you, you mentioned earlier about how good the lineup was with Awaka and Adu to be able to get some boards. Do you think that that is something that Barnes may look at again come Saturday night, considering how bad they dominated us down in College Station uh, on the boards, uh, to be able to get Awaka and Adu in there? Um, because, you know, that since that game, Texas A&M has shot right at 29% yeah. from three. So yeah. it looks yeah. like that game down there was an outlier where they just got hot on a random night. Um, and they did cool off in the second half, but the reason they really ended up winning that game is they just flat out dominated us and second chance points and on the offensive glass. So I just want to get your guys' opinion on what you thought. Maybe do we see that again for a longer extended period of time come Saturday night? Yeah, Jordan, appreciate the phone call, buddy. You know, I think that the success of it last night and, quite frankly, the success of Awaka and the aggression from Awaka does probably make Barnes want to act up and go back to the old him. <laughs> but, you know, if if it works like it did last night, you're not going to hear much complaining from people. Against A&M, who did kind of bully you a little bit, it, it, you know, if he goes to that and Tennessee's just really aggressive and and it works again, then, yeah, of course, it's going to feel good. The problem is, with me, you you got to have spacing still. And if Connect is on fire and Connect is that guy and is drawing that attention and still opening up those lanes, then it'll work. Especially, you know, who are the other two guys out there with him? I feel like it was Ganey and who was the third person? I made a note of that, but it was like Vescovy at times, Zakai at Zakai. times. But I, like, that's what I remember. Was I remember Zakai getting bitched, though, whenever Tennessee kind of went on the run, I feel like. Uh, maybe not, but... You know, the other three guys that play with the double lineups, those are important. Like, You know, I know we talked about Meshack, but you can't have really Meshack and a walk out there together, especially if Jonas is going to be yeah. there too. That that just completely kills your spacing. But if you're telling me it's Jonas and Awaka mixed with Connect and, and two shooters, especially a Ganey that's hitting, then, yeah, I think it can maybe work. Because... You know, I said it earlier. I thought Awaka was your best player last night. I thought Jonas was your third best player. It's tough to only play those guys 20 minutes a game, basically, on average. 
you know, two guys split up 40 minutes. But, like, yeah. being able to kind of play some minutes together and, and do some things does help whenever Awaka's hitting free throws especially. And, you know, Jonas needs to get the mid-range confidence back. I think that's two air balls two weeks in a row or two games in a row he's thrown up from about 12 feet. Ugly, ugly 12-feet jumpers. He needs to fix that. Yeah. I think it's, to Jordan's question, I think it's situational. At least I hope so because I don't want to I don't want to see Barnes go back to his old self as you put it John but I you know I think that last night's game we talked we did talk about this earlier it dictated it you got a team that fouls a lot um they aren't that big they had one of their bigs foul out with like 11 minutes to go in the game yeah so it made sense last night to me it really did uh plus not a lot was happening from outside and you know Dalton started hitting a little but um, but A&M might be a good one to, to run that kind of rotation against. I saw last night, you know, by the way, they lost at home to Arkansas. and uh, But that Anderson Garcia cat had 15 boards again last night. I mean, that guy is a, he's a monster. I think he, I think he leads the he, – somebody said he might be one of the tops in the nation in rebounding, and if he has a bunch of games like that, I guess that's true. But uh, – Maybe it's an Awaka thing, like per forty minutes or whatever. Yeah. You know, if, if he was getting more minutes, because he's a bench player, right? Like so, maybe yeah. maybe he's not getting enough to qualify for the the best in the uh, country. But yeah, but that yeah that had it in our notes about Barnes. You know, this could be really special Saturday to get his eight hundredth win, revenge game against A and M. A and M's reeling a little bit. This again, we were saying this twenty four hours ago against Missouri that this shouldn't be much of a game, but uh, boy. I, th- I think Tennessee has a lot to play for now, um, and and a lot on Saturday. That's that's more psychic income. It's not even you know. It's not even about what it means you know to the, to the brackets. Just take care of Texas A and M. They should. Have either one of you looked up the list of the thirteen coaches with eight hundred wins? Uh-uh. No. Ready for a little PK shootout? You guys going to rotate and see who can name the most of them? Sure. Yeah. Let's go. Three minutes. Let's go. Who wants to go first, Bob? You want to go first or second? Uh, it doesn't matter. Let's let's give it to Sam. He wow, can. he said he doesn't respect you, Sam. He said you're <laughs> going first. It doesn't matter. I'll take Coach K to start. Twelve oh two, number one. Um, the guy I despised, but he was a legend, Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight, number four, eight hundred ninety nine, one shy of nine hundred. Um, that drives him crazy. Jim Behan. Number two. It kind of surprises me, but I guess he's there for a long time. 1116. Number two for Jim Bayham. Oh. Roy Williams? Number three. You guys are doing good. You got the top four. Number three, 903 for Roy Williams. Um, Let's stick it house. Dean Smith. Number five. The top five. 879 wins for Dean Smith. Now it gets interesting. Now yeah. it gets interesting. And you let Sam go first, so he's got a lead on you. <laughs> um, Lute Olson. Lute Olson is not in the 800 win club. He is number 16 all time, 776. Sam, you can put the pressure on here. Up three um, to two. Mm-hmm. Or is it four to three? I'm not even doing my job of keeping score. Damn, 800 wins. Three to two. Does 
Did Jim Calhoun have 800 wins at UConn? Number six. Let's go. 877. Good job by you, Sam. Bob, you got to get this to stay alive. After this. Oh, man. You got to get this to stay alive. You should have went first. You should have <laughs> taken the Coach K layup. <laughs> um, God, I don't know. John Wooden? John Wooden, uh, not on the list. I don't, I don't know if they just didn't play enough games back then or what, but let me make sure. Let me see where he comes in at. He comes in at number 34. He's all, he's way down the list. 664 wins. You guys left some legends on the table. Uh, Adolph Rupp, ah. Bob Huggins, John Calipari, does Rick, my, Rick Pitino. Oh, does my guy Rick Bird from Belmont have 800? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, Rick Pitino, Cliff Ellis, Bill Self, and Eddie Sutton. Rick Bird, uh, let's see, he has 415 according to this list, which I don't know if that's accurate or what. Maybe he's got a lot more than that. Maybe maybe was Belmont maybe not Division One when he first started or something. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Good job by you, Sam. Though Bob, uh, (laughs) C plus from you. I know. Cliff Ellis is a sneaky one, though. I don't know who Cliff Ellis is. Who is Cliff Ellis? He's the coach at Clemson. Coached it for me. I know Bruce took Auburn to the Final Four back in 19. He coached an Auburn team. They played in a regional here in Knoxville back when they were still doing that. It was one of the funnest teams I've ever seen. They had a guy, Chris Porter, who could jump through the roof, had a, had a fro about the size of uh, – both our heads combined. I mean, he was just he was just a character, but a freaky athlete. They got to the Sweet 16 that year. I think Ohio State beat them with the Scooney Pen at point guard. But Ellis had a lot of success, but you don't really hear much about it. I think he's actually he might even be on the radio team for Auburn basketball now, like the color analyst. So yeah, he's a guy who's won a bunch of games, but like you just said, a lot of people don't know about him. Fair enough. Yeah, I think I think Bird's problem was I don't, I don't think Belmont was considered Division One till the ninety nine two thousand season because ah. on Google it does say that he coached for thirty eight years at Belmont and won eight hundred and five games. Okay, but on his like actual coaching uh, basketball reference page, it starts in ninety nine and only has four hundred fifteen, which Makes is what sense. they register. So I'll give you partial credit for that. Okay, hour one of the books. We'll kick off hour two with some things you might have missed from yesterday. About last night, stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the 